Welcome to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. We have a compelling Red Pill Torah story from some special guests today. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. Our guests are Rocky and Jody, friends we met while celebrating Sukkot in Oklahoma. We'll get to their great story in one moment. If you didn't know, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Understanding and believing the Torah gives context to the rest of the Bible. First-time listeners can look us up on the web, search for Red Pill Torah, that's R-E-D-P-I-L-L space T-O-R-A-H, or reach out by email. Our address is redpilltorah at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And shalom to our friends in New Jersey and Zimbabwe. Let's get right to Rocky and Jody's story. Tim, let's roll the tape. So we have Rocky and Jody with us, and they are going to tell us some about their Red Pill Torah story, how they came into the knowledge of the Hebrew roots of the faith, and what the Father's doing with them, and where we go is up to the Ruach HaKodesh and up to Rocky and Jody. So how did your eyes become open? What what happened? All right, well, I'll, I'll jump in first. And... Uh, Basically, I entered into a season of daily dedicated prayer, and we were joyful believers. Mm-hmm. We were practicing, um, I'd say, non-denominational Christianity with a Pentecostal background. Yep. Uh, my husband was raised Church of God. I was raised Church of God, Church of God in Christ. Oh. So we were <laughs> we were steeped in the traditions of our parents, and we loved the Lord. And we wherever we settled, we always made sure. We were in attendance on Sunday mornings, and and we didn't just attend Sunday mornings; we lived it Monday through Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, prayer was kind of a you know I prayed as a believer, had seasons of prayer, and so um, fall of 2013, the Father called me to a deeper commitment to prayer, where I would say it was more. I want to meet with you the same time daily. Mm-hmm. So I dedicated 5 a.m. to to praying, mm-hmm. to, to just meeting with the Father at the same time. I call it same time, same place. So I carved out a little space in my closet and I had my lights and dedicated my scriptures, my music. Oh, and I was right. like, Father, we're doing business. You had a literal prayer closet? I had it. I carved out a literal prayer, prayer closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Okay. And in that place, uh, I began to dedicate that morning time to prayer. And this time, something different started happening. Um, I began to pray, and instead of only focusing on uh, when God would take me to scriptures about being completely dedicated or a martyrdom where someone gave their all, I typically focused on the Christian side of martyrdoms and things like that. Mm -hmm. But in this season, I started finding out um, all the Jewish martyrs in their interactions with the official Roman uh, Roman Church in its Roman form, mm-hmm. and uh, started finding out all the different uh, rabbis who took a stand for the Torah, and it really started affecting me as I was studying that out, and I started um, learning some of the Hebrew that went along with that. And one day, I said to my husband, I said, I would really like to learn the Hebrew language. And something jumped inside when I said it. But I just left it at that because I didn't know where to start. So one morning during one of these prayer times, when I went to say amen, instead I said 
Aleph. And when I said it, I saw the word written phonetically. And I thought that was strange. I didn't know why I didn't say amen and why I would say Aleph. And so I wrote it down and left for, for work. And I got to work and when I got settled, I had some time and I looked up and it said Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh -oh. Wow. But then the site it also took me to was Hebrew for Christians mm -hmm. where they had the calendar, they had the holy days, they had the perspective of a messianic believer still practicing mm -hmm. all of the ancient ways. And I thought, well this is amazing. Why why aren't we still keeping these amazing days if, if this group of people is still keeping these amazing days. Why mm -hmm. aren't they? Mm -hmm. Well, about that same time, my oldest daughter, who was entering her 20s, said to me, Mom, I need more. And I was like, more what, dear? And she was saying, I just need, I don't know. She said, I just, Friday nights can't just be pizza and movies. It, there has to be something more. And I remember uh, this one event I went to back in the 90s. I think it was one of the only um, new man gatherings they called it mm -hmm. and so a group of messianic Jews in our area up in Minneapolis they hosted a Shavuot where Jew and Gentile would celebrate together for the first time mm -hmm. and they rented out the Roy Wilkins it was then the Roy Wilkins auditorium and there they were I went to that event and I saw this amazing sight of Jew and Gentile together celebrating and singing to the Ancient of Days. Wow. And I remember how it had affected me and I said, well maybe maybe you want to experience the, the, the ancient way that we came from, that Christianity sprung from, maybe you want to figure that out. And she was like, I don't know, I just need more. So we went to, it was, it was the fall, so amazingly it was Feast of Tabernacles and mm -hmm. I called a local congregation mm -hmm. that celebrated Feast of Tabernacles and they said, yeah, come on, come on over. And I went over and we went into the service and the music started and it wasn't like this huge congregation. I think they had like congas and a flute player and it was just a small group of people. But they sang in Hebrew and then in English and when I went to turn to my daughter to say, well, what do you think? She was on her knees in the back crying mm -hmm. and weeping and worshiping. Something connected. Something connected. And then at wow. the end of the service, she said, when can we come back? And I said, well, they worship on Saturday. We worship on Sunday so we could come back to Saturday. And one Saturday led to another Saturday led to another Saturday to where we started to ask some of the questions we never asked. Mm -hmm. like okay, so we're doing this Saturday Sabbath, why isn't the church world doing this Saturday Sabbath? Like, how did we, how did we go apart? Well, then that led to actually looking up the answer to that question, mm -hmm. which will then take you to church history, which will then take you to 200 AD, 300 AD. Mm -hmm. It'll take you to Constantine and his edicts and the things he said, and when I read some of the things he said about, let us have nothing to do with these detestable Jews. That cut me to the heart like a knife and I was furious because here I had been learning all of these amazing things from my Jewish brethren and I had been studying this history of them holding on to the Torah and not assimilating into the mm -hmm. nations. And I thought to myself, if that's what he declared, 
then I'm going to have everything to do with the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. I headed headlong back toward my Jewish people mm-hmm. and sought out how can I, what can I do to fellowship again? Because obviously the apostles, they had a main congregation in Jerusalem yep. where they were even fellowshipping with some from the circumcision, they called it. So somehow they were, they were managing to still have these interactions with the Jews who accepted Yeshua as Messiah and with the Jews who didn't accept Yeshua as Messiah. And somehow they still continued in the temple. They still continued. And I thought, why can't I find that common ground? Where is that common ground? And. Uh, it started affecting our family because now I told my family, I said, well, I'm not going to be buying unclean food anymore. I won't be cooking it. But some of our kids were entering their adult years and older teen years and I said, I'm not going to follow you around school. And I've told all of you that you need to actively pursue your faith yourself. And so I'm going to show you the evidence and I'm going to show you the scriptures of what I'm discovering and then you're going to need to decide for yourself. Now, you know, something strikes me, that uh, for most of these Red Pill Torah stories, a common theme seems to be that the the people involved were not afraid to ask tough questions. Mm. You know, um, I get the general sense that in church a lot of times, it's like, I'll do whatever the pastor says, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and I'm not going to question the pastor mm-hmm. because I don't want to be rebellious or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I may not understand or feel comfortable, but I'm going to do what he said because he or she is, is God's man or woman for the hour. Rocky, I see you nod. Yes, <laughs> that's very it. true. That's true. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. So. But uh, you, you all like... Uh, the other stories, you weren't afraid to ask the question as if, you know, the father wouldn't have an answer and, and you'd, you'd pull that thread and the bottom falls out and then it's like, what now? You, you weren't afraid to pull that thread. Why not? Well, I, I, I would say that for me, because I was already spending time with the father in prayer, I felt as though my heart and I, I even the atmosphere in our home, I would say, was already being conditioned for uh, this change. We didn't know what the change was going to be, mm-hmm. but I had told my kids, if I'm going to dedicate myself to this kind of prayer, this intense where it's you don't miss and you're just uh, you're you're writing, you meet people, you take seriously their prayer requests, and you write their prayers and their names down. I said that means that in order for this to stop, you all become targets. So take your faith seriously because when that starts happening in a home, you can become a target for the enemy. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody kind of hunkered down for whatever that might mean. So when they started, they started seeing these questions get asked. And there are some traditions that really got hit hard. Christmas, mm-hmm. our family, we were a huge Christmas family. We bought a real tree, the biggest one we could usually find. And then the day after Thanksgiving, and when we discovered the origin of the Christmas tree, and we finally asked, how did December 25th make it into play for a Jewish Messiah? When those questions got answered, the kids looked and said, we're not going to celebrate Christmas anymore, are we? And I said to them, okay, everybody just kind of <laughs> calm down. Because when you're steeped in that tradition, sure. it's what the world celebrates. It's what your congregation celebrates. How do you back out of it? And, and yet, everyone knew... I think from the from our years of saying 
don't just go to church on Sunday, but you're living your faith. They knew that we weren't trying to sell them a new religion. We knew we were trying to accurately live out our faith. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to that? Oh, you're lying? <laughs> I've, I've, I've never purposely lied to my children about matters of faith. Mm -hmm. So they knew that we were coming to them with the truth. And as I showed Rocky, he was busy working. And I'm, I, and I'm going, okay, I need to show him in such a way that it's not like you got to do this and you got to make this decision. And I said, you're the head of this household. And I'm just going to lay this information out to you. And you do with it what you think is best for our family. And like I said, I think that prayer time, because he read through the information, and the first thing out of his mouth was, if that's the origin of the Christmas tree, a Christmas tree will never come in this house again. Mm. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, how are you feeling as yeah. all this was going well, on? Yeah, she, she shows it to me. Our tradition was, at the, the, the weekend after Thanksgiving was when we'd go get our tree. Mm -hmm. And of course, she shows it to me on the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go get our tree, and I'm like, "I was going to ask, when was it? When did she tell you?" She tells me the day after Thanksgiving. I'm like, "We're getting ready to go get our tree," and she lays this all out before me, and we're reading it. And like, I was like, my mouth almost hit the floor. I was like, "Wait a minute!" What I was reading mm -hmm. was the symbolisms of the Christmas tree and the everything that gets hung on it mm -hmm. and what it, what it is and I'm like oh no no that convicted me so strong I'm like she goes well what are we gonna do because we're gonna go to a tree I'm like we're not going to get our tree <laughs> I guarantee you that we're, we're not gonna do is go get a tree never ever again mm. and and it just so it just at that point I was like when you hear it you hear it you don't try to make this you know excuses of like well that's not what that means to me and all that stuff that that never crossed my mind hmm. so man the man has spoken <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. yeah we were we were i was so blessed that he was on page with it and it came to pass where it was each thing was like that we i i would research something and then um, my daughter, she was already she was she was already moving in that direction because I would come home from my daycare business on Friday evenings, mm -hmm. and before we even looked up how were our Jewish brothers keeping Shabbat, I would come home to a completely clean house, a completely clean clean kitchen with candles lit and music playing, oh, wow. and I would look at her and I would say, "What's this?" And she'd say, "I don't know." She says, "I just want Friday night to be special." And so once we started going down the path of exploring and looking things up, that's when we came across, um, I'm not sure if it was Kabad or which site we came up when I typed in, mm -hmm. how do the Jewish people celebrate Sabbath or how do they keep the Sabbath? Because I thought it was oppressive. Mm -hmm. I thought you just had to stay in the house and not do anything and just stay still all day. And it says the Sabbath is a delight. Yeah. It's a celebration. And I thought, are you kidding me? And then when, I, when it talked about the Jewish woman freshening the house, I said, Sarah, get over here and read this. Everything the Holy Spirit had been moving her to do, everything the Ruach had been prompting her to do, she was, it was almost as though he was saying, I, you're, you're, in, you're my imprinted people. Mm -hmm. And if you'll obey, if you'll Shema, mm -hmm. I'm going to draw you home if you'll Shema. And we just began to Shema. And once we began to Shema, 
I'd be spending times in prayer, and I'll never forget one time I'm, I'm praying and being Pentecostals, you know, Pentecostals are tongue talkers, and so mm -hmm. I'm praying in the spirit, and I begin to say and weep at the same time, anima amim, anima amim, and I'm saying, wait a second, I remembered a that a left thing that happened, mm -hmm. and so by then I had a, a Hebrew to English dictionary, and I look up phonetically, Anima Amin means I believe, and Maimonides, one of the great Jewish sages, mm -hmm. he was the one who framed the 13 principles of the faith, and the leading the leading principle is I believe, and then from there you have I believe in the Messiah, though he tarry, still I will wait for him. That's and right. I just began saying, Father, whatever this is that's happening to me, I want it on your terms, not mine. And uh, it wouldn't be long until we found ourselves in Jerusalem uh, after being, I mean, it was amazing. The, we didn't pay for anything, but we fully paid for a trip to Israel. We found ourselves in Israel. All right, hang on a second. We're going to have to come back with that one. Can we do another episode about about the Israel? And, oh, yeah. And I see Rocky chopping at the bit here. So, hey, uh, come back next uh, next podcast, okay? Rocky and Jody have a really powerful story. I love the way they came together as a family with everyone operating in their roles, and they reached a common conclusion. Yeah, I like that too. It's a blessing to hear about them, and we know that some believers have different experiences within their families. We all have our own paths to walk, and we know that ultimately we're not alone. So, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and ignore the Father's call for you to embrace your Hebrew heritage? Or would you take the red pill and boldly go where some have gone before, on a journey with the Elohim of Israel? Amen. Only you can answer that question. Now there's more to Rocky and Jody's story, so don't miss it. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Listen again and share it with your family and friends. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Tour, where... You can handle the truth.